Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be the most productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to my monthly live training. My next live training will be happening on Friday, September 18th at noon Eastern. I'm going to be talking about planning your day, the why and the how. You can register by clicking the link in the show notes or the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. On the show today, Melina Palmer. She is a behavioral economist and also the host of the Brainy Business Podcast. She is going to be talking to us a lot about our psychology, specifically, why do we do the things we do? An absolute fascinating conversation with Melina Palmer. Melina, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You know, I got to tell you that when I saw your LinkedIn profile, your picture is quite unique. A lot of people, <laughs> including yours truly, have very boring headshots on social media, but yours is very unique. So I encourage people to go find her. We'll give you the links at the end of the episode to go find her on social media because she has a very unique uh, headshot. Now, the, use the same headshot for all social media platforms. Um, you know, I changed it up. I, I recently changed some on Twitter. Uh, I was invited to be part of a, because it's mask wearing week or whatnot. So I have a picture of myself and brain who shows up in a lot of my social media, uh, wearing our masks, you know, for, for photo for that. But yes, I do have a lot of the same uh, imagery that's across Instagram and and everywhere else. And just like you said, trying to have a little bit of fun and and interest. I try to do that with my show as well. Just because you know, I know we're going to get into it, but behavioral economics is a very weighty academic sounding mm -hmm. name. And yep. so helping people to know it doesn't have to be a boring lecture that you don't want to listen to. Yeah. We're talking here on August 13th and, you know, we're still in the global zombie apocalypse pandemic. We don't know when it's going to end, but I, I, I tell people, I like to mess with people. They, they go, are you, are you an anti-masker? I don't wear masks. I'm like what? I don't leave home ever. <laughs> So I, I'm not going to wear a mask around my dog, okay? I mean, I do go running at 6.30 in the morning, and there's nobody out because no one's going to go out when it's a billion degrees at 6.30 in the morning and exercise. So I'm all by myself among the heat and humidity. So I don't wear a mask at home because it's just my dog and my wife, and what's the point? Um, I know masks do work, and I know that people should wear masks around public, and they shouldn't congregate. And, you know, it goes back to common sense. I talk a lot about common sense on the show. When we first got hit with COVID-19 and they were saying, wash your hands, and people thought that was revolutionary. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> you haven't been washing your hands all these years? That's scary. <laughs> Don't go around people when you're sick. Really? Is that new information? I mean, it's just common sense isn't always common practice, I'm finding out. Yeah. I actually did an episode back in March that was about how our brains react during a novel, like a pandemic, and was talking specifically about coronavirus and that a lot of the advice was very similar to what you're supposed to do for the flu. <laughs> but why do we feel so different? And of course, things have changed, but we should, the 
uh, sort of tactic I was taking with that is not to say that they're the same, but because the advice of how you prevent spread of flu, why don't we feel like this is a big deal that just millions of people get the flu every year and we just accept Mm -hmm. that where, and we don't feel like we need to wash our hands as vigorously for 30 seconds every time and, and whatnot. But we should, you know, we, we should have the same aversion to things like flu, but because it's become more normalized that it's flu season and everyone gets it, you know, it just becomes part of the normal state and don't feel as inclined to, to take action. But I also talked about toilet paper uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in that too. <laughs> I'm sure the people who have bidets in their house are really happy to say, Hey, we don't have an issue. So uh, right. <laughs> what's interesting, I read John Barry's the great panda, the great influenza from 1918 about the flu. Mm. And uh, what's interesting is we are going to eventually stop wearing masks and we'll stop social distancing and we'll stop washing our hands. Gross. Because that's what they did. And once they got over, I mean, you remember after 1918 by 1919 we were back to normal and i think it's going to go back to normal um i hope it happens sooner rather than later because i love disney world i'm not going to disney world (laughs) in august when it's a billion degrees outside wearing a mask it ain't going to happen but i think it's eventually going to go away i mean this is not going to kill off eight billion people in this world it's just it's his life. That's how I categorize it under. It's life. It's going to happen. We'll get over it. Some people get sick and cover, recover. Some people get sick and die. But then we'll be okay. And then the next thing will come. It's just life. Okay. You're, we're not meant to live a thousand years. So <laughs> it is what it is. So let's talk about behavioral economics. Now you talk about the psychology of why we buy and about three months ago, someone recommended a book by, I want to say Martin Lindstrom, the psychology, uh, biology, B-U-Y-O-L-O-G-Y. Right. And I read that book and I'm like, the thing I took away from this, and you'll understand this because I'm a man, is sex doesn't sell. When they make an ad really sexy, like a really handsome man or a really beautiful woman, the people are not looking at the product. They're looking at the model and they did all kinds of, you know, MRIs or fMRIs to do testing. And they say if the person in the ad is really attractive, people are not looking at the product. But if they're the person next door, they are. And I'm like, wow, isn't that interesting? So I'm really fascinated of you know why we buy why does Mark Stucheski buy and there is so much psychology in there so talk to us a little bit about that right so I have my master's in behavioral economics and I have a podcast where I talk about all of this but essentially our brain is set up to where ninety nine percent of all the decisions we're making at any given time is done by our subconscious brain so we think that our logical conscious brain is in control and we're doing all of these advanced calculations and really thinking through all of our options can just constantly. And that's just not the case. So the subconscious is really, I like to say it's like a gatekeeper or a receptionist when you're trying to get a meeting with a busy executive. It's constantly scanning and filtering the environment to say, I know how to do that. I have a rule for that. I know where I can get a reward over here. I can do this. And it's able to make all these choices until, you know, something comes up that's a little bit out of the norm. And then you can say, uh, you know, conscious brain, you know, it's your turn. You're up to do something now. <laughs> and the conscious is just slow and it takes 
much more energy to get things done, which is why our brain relies on that subconscious. We would use up too much energy to survive if the conscious was making more decisions than it actually does. And so what we're finding now with behavioral economics, and the reason the field came about is because traditional economics is built on all of its models are looking at logical people making rational choices in everything that they're doing. Mm. And that's just not the world that we live in. But if you understand these behaviors and where we all have trends toward wanting to avoid a loss and that we think things that are scarce are valuable and all of these other things were very influenced by numbers and understanding those rules of the brain and being able to work with the 99% instead of trying to focus on this very small percentage of the conscious brain to get that little piece of buying brain, but looking at how to make it just easier across the board. That's what I help people to understand and implement into their businesses. What I find interesting is several years ago, I don't remember the source. They told me that your subconscious mind is like this giant anteater or sponge. It's soaking up every memory, every thought, everything you've ever done. And if you're not going to use it right away, it gets pushed way in the back of your brain. And when I give people exercises like, okay, like if you're a procrastinator, for example, I want you to write down all the reasons why you're procrastinating. And I said, when you sit down, you're going to get like several answers right off the bat and then nothing. And you're going to think that's it. But if you wait through that moment of silence, which could be a minute, it could be 10 minutes, it could be a half an hour. That's when the subconscious mind is going to go, oh, oh yeah. Oh, we have this other garbage back here. And, (laughs) and I say, then it starts flowing. But then I say, you got to be really careful because the subconscious mind is like a stubborn teenager. If you interrupt it, if you check your phone or if you look at the bird or a squirrel, then it shuts off. Then you got to wait again. Am I on point with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's um, one of the other examples is talking about thinking like of the brain, like an elephant and a writer. And so you can talk to the writer as much as you want. It no, The person writing the elephant knows where they want to go. They've got a plan. But if the elephant isn't <laughs> interested or is distracted, you can't push it, it yeah. you know, to go where, where you want it to be for sure. One of the concepts that I think really love that I think ties in with what you're talking about there is something called bike shedding. And this is essentially our tendency to focus on what feels like the biggest problem, but is really something small and mundane, but your brain likes the status quo and it's biased toward it. It doesn't like change because it's not able to predict what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so being able to look at ways to keep you stuck and making you feel like you're doing something important is a tactic our brains are using all the time. And so with bike shedding, this is Parkinson's seven or law, second law of triviality, which is looking at uh, there was a group that was supposed to be designing a nuclear power plant. And one piece of their project was to design the bike shed that was nearby. That is the least important piece probably of the entire nuclear project, but they were spending this inordinate amount of time on all these decisions that seemed like they were so important because the consequences were lesser where there's a lot of fear associated with if you get something wrong in the power plant, there's going to be issues that could be catastrophic. Mm -hmm. And so if you spend too much time on this small problem, it can be feel better to your brain. So with pricing strategy is something I do a lot of work with. 
And so many people come to me concerned about, you know, should I end my prices in a five, a seven, a nine, or a zero? And you feel like that's the most important thing that you should be working on. But really, it doesn't actually matter. In general, there are a couple things to keep in mind. But all these other pieces about the uh, the way that you build out your program matter much more than this small thing that mm-hmm. feels like you need to be focused on. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I heard the same debate. Should you end in seven, a nine, what's better? And my mind automatically rounds up. So if you say I got my my new coaching program is 1997, my brain goes two grand. It's three dollars. Right. My brain just ma now I know most people not like, wow, nineteen ninety seven, it's not two thousand dollars. Like, really? I mean, it's three hours away, but I know that people, I I agree with you saying people are not focusing on the big picture because it doesn't matter what the price ends in. If your, if your course, your book, you, whatever you're offering sucks, it doesn't matter what it ends in. You're not going to sell any. If you're not doing the right marketing, you're not going to sell anything. People are not going to make a decision based on that list last digit. This is not the price is right where you got to get the last digit right and you win the car. Okay. You got to have everything else right. And I, I agree with you. I think people are, I never heard the, sh- uh, the term before bike shedding, but I think they are. They're worried about what's the font look like on my website? What am I using the right color? Uh, does my right, is it the right color theme on my website and my emails? And this stuff has nothing to do with you actually talking to your audience, whether on social media or your email subscribers. Right. And that is where it feels like it's the most important thing that until I spend eons of time evaluating all of the possible email clients I could be using of, you know, and every feature and going through everything they possibly do, I can't start a newsletter. And the reason that you feel that way is because your brain doesn't want to do this scary thing where you have possible rejection of, you know, these questions of what if they don't like it, you can live in this optimism bias of thinking it's going to turn out and be amazing when you get it set up right, but just constantly be in this, I like to call it an I've heard someone else said this first, so I didn't come up with the term. I don't remember who it was, but this productive procrastination Mm -hmm. is something that we're really good at. And so for me, I need to be doing a lot on social media to build visibility and thought leadership. It's important. However, if I don't have it in scheduled time, it can very much become productive procrastination where I'm not working on writing my episodes or whatever I'm supposed to be working on because I can pretend that spending a lot of time scrolling through Instagram is important research <laughs> for me in that moment. Yeah, you must be a mind reader too, because as you were talking <laughs> earlier, I wrote the question why we we do this. Um, you were talking about um I just forgot what you're talking about. Isn't that, that's so sad. I, I'm writing so many notes. You were talking about how we make excuses about the fonts and stuff like that and looking for um, email service providers. And I, I, I wrote the word question why, and then you answered it. So thank you for reading my mind. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But, but you, but you're absolutely right. I mean, cause people like, like I go live every day. Okay. So Monday through Friday, I go live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. It's in my schedule. One o'clock central. I go live. And I go live for 15 minutes to 30 minutes. That's it. Then I go do something else. And that's why I believe if you take the time to tell your time where to go instead of wondering where it went, I'm going to spend this much time working on my email newsletter. I'm going to spend this much time on social media or writing a blog post or creating a course or creating my podcast. Now you have that scheduled throughout your day. Now you're like, okay, I'm going to check social media. No, it's not time for social media. Now it's time to prepare for my episode. And I think if, 
people would just do that. Just that simple exercise of just saying, what do I want to do today? They would be far more likely to get that thing done than if you go, well, I want to do this, that, and the other thing. I want to check in social media. Now you're scattered and you're going to spend more time doing the non-essential stuff, the non-needable-moving activities because you had no plan. So I, I'm a big proponent, obviously, as Mr. Productivity, of planning your time. Right. Well, our brains are programmed to want those rewards. And when they get bored and they're looking for dopamine or whatever sort of a kick that's available to them, uh, they're going to be when the ding happens, if you have a bunch of notifications and things on your phone. So I have turned off. I don't have, and I actually just took additional steps to where I now don't even have my social media apps on my phone at all Wow! because I was constantly, and you don't even realize how much you're doing it. For anyone who has not yet read Indistractable by Nir Eyal, I highly recommend it. And I interviewed him on my show. He talks about how, so his first book is called Hooked, which was helping companies to understand how the brain works so that they can be aligning to um, our natural tendencies of wanting to come back to apps and things like that. And then the second book is, you know, now that everyone's doing that for everybody who is becoming distracted all the time to help you be more productive, you can understand these tricks and um, set them to where they work better for you. So, but when you have those alerts, it'll be a ding or a buzz or whatever. And your subconscious is constantly going, what is that? What is that? What is that? Is that, that could be important. I bet somebody, you know, some amazing, you know, Oprah sent me a tweet, (laughs) uh, you know, (laughs) I didn't reach out to her, but like, it could be this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so the dopamine release, which is something our brains really love is actually coming in that anticipation point. And so the moment that you have the buzz is when you then have this dopamine release is happening and your brain is wondering and it wants to know what it's going to be. And the minute you check that dopamine release stops. Mm -hmm. And so this is the same of, you know, what's this chocolate going to taste like getting the reward is actually where you lose that brain benefit. But if you turn off the notification, it's not going to even think to start that sort of habit cue response. And so when it's not there, it's amazing how quickly you forget to be checking social and things. But as it's available to you, your brain will remember when it wants a distraction, which is basically all the time. Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out my website, mrproductivity.com for the date of my next live training to get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens over at mrproductivity.com. Well, I am a person that says notifications are fine. I have social media on my phone and here's the trick. First of all, turn off this uh, vibration mode on your phone. Number one. Number two, I can't speak for my Android loving friends, but on the iPhone, you can have notifications to pop up and turn the sound off. So if you have vibration mode turned off and you have sound turned off for the notifications and your phone is face down, like right now, my phone's face down. I could be getting 20,000 notifications. I don't, I don't have that many notifications turned on. I have no idea. But the problem is people have the sound on, the vibration on, and their phone's going ding, 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 like a slot machine all day. So I would say... Do what I call a notification cleanse. Go through all your notifications. Which ones serve you? 
Okay, like I like my weather apps on, my calendar apps on, my to-do list on, my my credit card apps on, but I customize them so they don't bother me. So you're the human being. Take control of your notifications. So I've never been a fan of no notifications, but I think that most people have way too many turned on, and that's what the problem is. I don't know if I get notifications. I've got to look at my phone to know if I got notifications because they appear on my lock screen, but they don't make a sound. So if I'm not looking at my phone, I don't know. And so if you are struggling with being distracted with notifications, then I would go, I would go scorcher, turn them all off and then start turning the ones you want on that are going to serve you, but maybe turn the sound off and then disable vibration mode. That way you don't know, because I agree with you when people get that message, they think it's something really important. I always say, if my house is on fire, don't send me a text come bang on my door. Okay. That I need that information pretty importantly, but people are so obsessed and the, it all starts when they download the app because the app developers says, Hey, do you want to allow notifications? And I've talked to some app developers and what people don't realize is that when you say yes, they're turning them all on. What right. I say is say no, then go into notifications and then allow the ones you want on. And that way your phone doesn't sound like a music box or a pinball machine. Right. That's the, we are very programmed to accept the defaults, whether it serves us or not. And most people have, you know, if you were to say, how long does it take before your screensaver comes on, on your computer? Most people don't know. And they have whatever the set screensaver is because that was a default setting when they bought their computer and they never changed it. And we do that with everything. And similarly for notifications, knowing that, you know, if that's the only app you're using and they, you hope that there's gr- good intention of you got this app because you want to be staying on top of it. So we're giving you lots of notifications, but you know, that's good for that, that company as well. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily set up to keep you focused on something other than their app, you know, whatever that happens to be. And I would say, you know, as you're talking about, you know, figuring out what serves you and you had mentioned this at the end, but because we humans are very averse to losses, when you focus on something and think, am I going to need this? Am I going to want this? Your natural inclination is to think about all how upset you'll be if you <laughs> get rid of that, you know, and oh man, if I find out six months later, I wish I had had this thing. Your, your brain really goes into overdrive of why it needs to keep something when you're looking at it and thinking about it. Things mm-hmm feel like they're much more important than they are when you're actually looking at them. So if instead you take the other tactic and like you said, turn off all of the notifications and then realize which ones do you actually miss? If you give it a week, you know, and so if you turn them all off and then say, wow, I actually don't, I go and check the weather once a day and I don't need it to be notifying me because it's gone up a degree or whatever the setting was, was put on there. Um, You, you will realize that you actually miss and need much, much less than you would have thought when you get rid of it. First. I I agree. And like, for like, for example, weather apps, I love weather apps and I like the one to tell you like all of a sudden a storm's going to pop up because it's kind of important to know if there's a tornado in your area or something like that. But it goes back to we are the human being. And we have got to take control of our technology. When I, when I used to speak, remember back in the day, you know, a long time ago, we used to speak <laughs> right. in the States. Um, I used to tell people, I said, if you turn off all social media notifications, when you open the app, everything's still there. Right. Mark Zuckerberg is not going to come to your house and say, why'd you turn notifications off? So everything's going to be there. Do you need to know that your niece posted a new picture of her baby? No, you can go into Facebook. Well, actually, 
family, I would hope that would text you a picture instead of putting that on social media, but that's that's a topic for another podcast. But I, I go back to saying we need to be the human beings. If you think your technology is the boss, turn it off and tell me how much power it has over you then. But you're right. People, even if they go through scorched earth and turn off all notifications, if they're not disciplined enough, they're going to like, I may be missing something. I may be missing something. I'm 55 years old, and I remember a time there were no cell phones, there was no social media, and the only time you found out news, unless it was like really breaking news, like like when President Reagan got shot or the Challenger exploded, you had to wait till the evening news or the morning paper. Right. There was none of this Twitter that you get pictures and video three seconds after the plane crashed. And I think we we struggle with FOMO so much. We've got to know what's going on in every part of the world the second it happens, and that's keeping us from doing what we should be doing. Right. Absolutely. That's, and that's how our brains are, are wired that when you, FOMO is very real yeah. and it's based on these, the way that our brain is, is set up for sure. So other than the notification, you know, turn them all off or what I said, the notification cleanse, what are some things that people can do other than, I guess, turning off the device and maybe getting rid of it, which I don't think is practical in the year 2020. What are some other things they can do psychologically? Um, I'll give you an example before you answer. My wife and I have this running joke in our house. So we sit down and watch TV. Yes, I'm a productivity guy and I watch TV at night because I work hard during the day and I, I earn the right to watch TV. But I always ask her, what do you want to listen to on TV tonight? Because she's playing her game on her iPad. And I've <laughs> gotten really good of actually putting my phone down, face down, and watch. It's, it's crazy. Watching the TV program. I mean, what? I, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, now it's like I've heard people, they've got their laptop, they got their iPad, their phone, they're watching TV. And I'm like, first of all, your brain's not paying attention to all, the, all this stuff at once. It can't. It, it can, brain, brain can only do one thing at once. The brain cannot multitask. And so... I'm telling people to practice putting your phone down or maybe, uh, you know, go out to the store and not bring your phone. I mean, you didn't bring your phone when you were like, if you're in the fifties, like I am, when you were 25, 30 years old, you couldn't bring your phone. You knew how to get to the store. You knew what you needed because you wrote down on a piece of paper. It's amazing. A piece of paper. Okay. And you wrote a list (laughs) down and you went to the local store and you went shopping. So I went through that phase just fine. So you don't always need to take your phone with you. Um, I think people, it's it's become part of their body. I've got it in my phone. Where's my phone? And I've had people say, where's my phone? And they're holding it. I'm like, that's sad. When you're holding (laughs) your phone and you don't know where your phone is. (laughs) <laughs> yes, we I've been doing a lot of the same practice with my husband recently where just being present in whatever it is that you're choosing to do in that moment and knowing that, you know, when we're having dinner that don't need to be checking to see if I got another email or again, yeah, watching TV whatever that happens to be and yeah. that um I we're all busy and there's a lot that's needing to be done and as a, you know, entrepreneur with a podcast around the world, you know, there's a lot of stuff to be doing and I could be doing more all the Mm -hmm. time, but making sure that the time I am with, with him or with the kids that it's dedicated time. And if I only have 15 minutes that it's focused on them and we're playing whatever their game is and, but they know it's a good 15 minutes instead of me being distracted for an hour, you know, and people can really, feel like they're important. And when I, when we are talking with somebody, you know, like we're having a zoom chat right now and that we're just paying attention to each other and having a conversation and not having a bunch of pop-ups and, and things <laughs> happening. And yep. when I had a 
staff in a corporate space, I would make sure I would put my computer totally to black, like scoot away to where I was able to just look at someone and have mm-hmm. a conversation with them for my staff so that I wouldn't get distracted and they knew that they were the most important thing in that moment. And so I think making the choice and knowing that you, whatever it is that you're doing should be something you've chosen to do. And that's the most important thing in that moment and knowing why it matters to you can help you to be focused. And like you said, put the phone on the other side of the room or whatever it needs to be to be able to focus. The other thing that's a really, this is like pun not intended and you'll, you'll get it in a second, but it's an eye opener for a lot of people, which is that our eyes contain 70% of our sensory reception And our eyes are constantly scanning the world around us, even when we don't think that they are. So we're built to where it feels like I'm just looking right at you, but my eyes are actually scanning three times on average per second, the entire room. And so our eyes are actually like all over the place all the time. And so if you're in a messy space or you have I'm a big fan of sarcasm personally, but I don't <laughs> let, you know, the, you know, case of the Mondays or TGIF or whatever that sort of stuff be anywhere in my office space because my eyes will be taking that and it's constantly reinforcing whatever that belief is mm-hmm. in my brain all day and messy papers and clutter. It's keeping your brain focused on whatever that is instead of what it is that you're wanting to be working on. And just to show how, ridiculous this can have influence on our brain there was a study that was done where you know people were going into participate in this research and on their way into the building they bumped into somebody who was holding a bunch of papers and they dropped them and said here can you hold this for just one second and half of them held an iced drink half a hot drink as the person picked up their papers and then they go in and you know they're reading a description about somebody and then are ranking their personality and they don't know that the two things are related at all and the people who held that ice drink for a few moments completely separate from this other study they rated the person's personality as much more cold, distant, and difficult than mm. the people who held the the hot coffee for just <laughs> a few seconds. And when we're primed with something, even when it's completely unrelated and happened, you know, shouldn't matter, it shouldn't be impactful, it really is on our brains. And similarly, they had you know, people that they brought in to work on a collaborative project. And in one room, there was a briefcase in view. And in the other, it was a backpack. And the people in the backpack room were much more cooperative than those in the briefcase room because of the associations that our brain has with being in the boardroom and being tough. And so those people didn't collaborate as well, but they, nobody noticed it. Right. Nobody saw the briefcase or the backpack, but their behavior was markedly different than because it was influencing their brain. And so those things around you, people are shown they're more creative when they see a flash of an Apple logo versus an IBM logo, even when nobody saw it, because wow. our brains are taking in this information constantly. So being very aware of what's around you can really impact your experience in life and being more productive in your work. That's crazy. And, uh, you know, when you were talking there at the very beginning, a thought came back to me, the, the FOMO and notifications, 
you know, I've been in supermarkets and you're being cashed out and they're on their phones. And I've been in other businesses where we're always on their phones. And like, can you imagine if National Football League players kept their phones with them and they're running down the field to run a, a run a play and they go pull their phone out and running down and they're, I mean, they wouldn't do that. We'd think that was crazy. What's this guy doing? He's on, he's on his phone. We would think that's crazy. And yet we do it all the time. Right. Do you really need to be on your phone all the time? And I mean, I know people, they get up and I tell people, don't get on your phone first thing in the morning, ever. Right. Now, what I do is I, the first thing I do in the morning is I read my Bible. And so I open my phone and I go to my Bible app and it tells me what Bible verses to read that day. Okay. But I'm not checking social media. I'm not checking email. I'm not checking the weather. I'm not checking the news. You know, so I think people got to realize that you, you slept all night. The last thing you need to do is find out all the garbage that happened during the night. <laughs> you need to go do something, whether you read the Bible, you pray, you meditate, you do yoga, you read an inspirational book. You need to do something that's going to uplift you in the morning, not check in on social media, because mm-hmm. all that's going to do is get you rattled for the day, and it's going to get you down that that road where it's going to go from bad to worse. You're going to get more angry. You're going to get more uh, short-tempered. You're going to get uh, uh, frustrated and overwhelmed because you didn't intentionally start your day right. And so I'm a big fan. I think social media is great. Email is great, but you need to figure out what works for you. And you talked a lot about in the show today about how this stuff really affects us. And we don't even realize it. That's like when I tell people to take micro breaks and do, you know, breathing exercises to close your eyes, because when you're doing deep breathing exercises and you close your eyes, it's for the reason you just mentioned. Now your brain is not scanning everything because the eyes are closed. But if you're trying to do deep breathing and you're looking around at everything, well, now your brain's not really relaxing. You can't focus on the breath because your brain's going, oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. And it's still working. So when you meditate, when you do your deep breathing, Close your eyes, give your brain a break. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And like you said, take those moments to, you know, wake up and allow your brain to sort of enter into space. And it's, it's, it feels like it's going to be the most difficult thing to not check your phone or whatever that is. But that's for me, the, the biggest anxiety creator where I feel like I must check is actually the red notification bubble (laughs) on the iPhone of saying however many unread emails exist in the world is my nemesis. I can't have them exist. (laughs) And so So you have, you have disabled then. Yes. Yes. And I turn, yeah. And no, no push. I don't need to see any of that. And it doesn't knowing that there are 50 emails in there when I'm having to go on to a, (laughs) an interview or whatever (laughs) does not make my brain feel better. You know, knowing that they're there, they'll still, like you said, the sister still had the baby picture. I've I've still been tagged in the post. If I look at it in four hours, than if I look at it now. And so not thinking about what it is is actually if you if you just are never aware makes it way easier on your brain. My wife gives me heart palpitations because I picked up her phone once and she had like 17,000 unread mail. I'm like, it wasn't even my phone, it wasn't my email. I'm like <laughs> I said, can you just turn that dot? Can you turn that badge count off? You're causing me uh, consternation here. She goes, it's not yeah. your phone. I'm like, 
but I saw it. Now my whole day is wrecked because I saw that. Li- <laughs> Who has 17,900 emails? You're never going to read those emails. So, you know, I'm Mr. Productivity. She's Mrs. Anti-Productivity. So we joke about it all the time, but I'm just like, turn it off. Please turn it off. She hasn't turned it off yet. So we're, it's an ongoing conversation, but <laughs> so I completely yeah. am. Well, you know, Malia, we talked about a lot on the show today. And before we wrap up, is there any last, uh, last bits of information you want to leave with us? I always end every episode of my podcast and all my email signature line is always this, you know, remember to be thoughtful. And so be thoughtful is something that I just constantly am saying. And like you said, we did talk about that quite a bit, but if you take the time to stop and kind of look, pick your head up, look around and understand what what's out there, it can make your experience be incredibly different. And as far as the, you know, 99% on the subconscious brain, it's actually that your subconscious is processing 11 million bits of information per second, and your conscious can only do 40 bits (laughs) compared to 11 million. And so if you think I'm not good at math, but those numbers are kind of whacked. (laughs) It's not good. It's not good. (laughs) And so if you think then that the life that you are experiencing is is the truth and the only truth. It's just not true because your brain's having to filter out what's important and it's seeking out things that validate what it already knows or believes to be true. And so if you want to change your experience, if you instead say for every one item that makes it through, that means there are 275,000 other things that your brain didn't think was important enough in that moment and say, maybe just focus on something else. One of the other of those 275,000, your entire life experience can completely shift very easily if you just look for something else and are more thoughtful about life in general. Excellent. So final question for you is where can we find you online? Well, I have my website, thebrainybusiness.com, and the Brainy Business Podcast is available in all of the... um, apps wherever you listen to them and i'm the brainy biz on all the socials (laughs) i love that the brainy business podcast i love that uh a lot more exciting but i I, i'm determined to make struchowski a household name so that's why i kept it the mark (laughs) struchowski podcast melina thank you so much for being on the show today that was really fun i learned something today and uh, i'll be honest with you i have um allowed one social media platform to have access to my notifications and it's LinkedIn because LinkedIn is my favorite platform. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, now I'm second guessing that, you know what, if I open the app, everything's still going to be there. So I'm going to turn those off. So, well, you don't, you don't need email or social media on. Okay. Whether probably credit card, probably calendar and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, I, I'm always doing notification cleanses every single month i go through and go eh don't need it do i really need this app it's not serving me get rid of it and i think if people would for every app they add they take one away what's happening mm-hmm. they keep adding apps and adding apps and adding apps you probably have a lot of apps on your phone that you're not using anymore. Just delete them. If you need them again, you can always re-download them. But we're we're hoarders. We're we're, we're app hoarders. So many of us are app hoarders. So I I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. This is really fun. And uh, you, you shared a lot with us. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And just before we go, don't forget to register for my next live training. 
Friday, September 18th at noon Eastern, going to be talking about planning your day, the why and the how. Register by clicking the link in my show notes or in the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.